Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We are here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 249, the early October 1989 issue, because we're doing two a month. Uh, on sale June 6th of 1989, cover price of a dollar. Uh, this one's titled The Dane Curse, which is not one word. The Dane Curse is two words. The Dane Curse. Yeah. On the cover of this, we have Havoc standing on a hill, blasting away with his plasma blasts. It looks like Polaris. It doesn't look like. It is Polaris. Is kind of uh, at his side, by his knee maybe, just kind of, I don't know, sort of sexually posing. She's almost doing one of those classic Conan the Barbarian things where he's like standing and she's – but she's not draping around his arm. Right. And she has lots of clothes on, whereas uh, – That's true. Those women would have like a very uh, revealing bikini. But – Although spoilers, somebody does call her a slut for her dress in this uh, in this very issue. Wow. I, I, I must not have been paying that close of attention because I don't recall seeing that word because I think – I was shocked. I think I would have been taken aback as well. Um, but this cover does kind of evoke a Conan-like quality. You've got kind of some some savage-looking people that are climbing up the mountain, including like a like a frog guy, a four-armed guy, uh, and another guy who looks kind of like well, the guy in the foreground kind of looks like what the guy with four arms could look like because they got the same like headband. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although I guess maybe the guy in the foreground's wearing a vest. It kind of looks like there's a guy wearing like a shredded up hat in the kind of the bottom right hand side of the cover. So the guy in the foreground, I'm assuming, is the blind dude. And let's, well, yes, uh, probably. And then in the background, there's like some monstery looking guys. Um, I don't think that I knew who these guys were when I originally read the pages of the X Men. Because uh, I don't think we covered them. Well, we've covered who these people are, but I don't think I ever read who these people were in my past, if that makes any sense. Even having read who these people were and looking at this cover, I did not make that connection. Oh. And there's a frog guy. <laughs> I mean, I should have made the connection based on the frog guy alone. I don't. I mean, I don't blame you for not making the connection because it wasn't until just now as we're sitting down to talk about the cover. I'm like, oh, <laughs> these are just like random people that Havoc shooting at. These are actually the main villains who we've yeah. talked about before. But we're on the same page right now. <laughs> this cover does not really make I, I wouldn't gather who these people are from the cover. So I'm not going to tell you until until we find out together who they are. OK. Well, I mean, you know, but the audience might not know. They probably know. But yeah. in case they don't, we're going to do what you just said. Yeah. Uh, and as far as covers go, meh. It's it's all right. I mean, meh. you know, it's, okay. it's, a, it's a it's a decent Sylvester cover. Yeah. A, the, the two guys in the foreground are very well detailed and inked. And uh, Polaris, she looks good. Everything else is kind of... This, I would actually, I would probably get as a t-shirt if it was cheap mm. um based on the fact that it's it's not really like I any mean, it's not it's not really like an iconic sort of thing i hate like i don't i don't get those t-shirts where it's like iconic pose you know the classic mm -hmm. stuff i mean those are of course the ones that they sell and i probably have a few of them but 
like this is kind of interesting. It's like, oh, it's the X-Men, but I don't know what's going on here. I'm literally wearing a Wolverine shirt in a classic John Byrne pose. Mm. <laughs> so I can't make that same claim. I have a Wolverine shirt in a classic. Who drew it? it was, I think it was Adam the, it's Kubert. Adam Kubert. Oh, yeah. oh, that took me a while. <laughs> that was rough. Yeah, uh, this is part one of the prelude to Shattered Star. And I don't know that, I don't know what that means. Well, as far as I can tell, that means that this is issue 249 and the next one is issue 250. So uh, the <laughs> next issue is the Shattered Star. It, Woo. <laughs> but it says part one of the prelude to the Shattered Star. And as I, I've read like the, this through like issue, I don't know a bunch and uh the the term shattered star is not something that i recall so that's not saying that it you know i, I didn't miss something because we've definitely shown in this podcast that i miss a lot of things so i'm gonna jump ahead to the next issue the next issue is titled the shattered star yeah but according to the end of this issue it says next issue is called uh fever dream which is actually what 251 is called. So they're all sorts of messed up. So they're completely confused. I know, right? So maybe Fever Dream is part two of the prelude to Shattered Star, and they just do it out of order. Yeah, but I just don't know what Shattered Star is. Like, I don't, there's not like a six part miniseries called The Shattered Star in the. It's the next big Marvel event, man. Uh, it's not, though. <laughs> no, no it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just issue 250. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, Chris Claremont's the writer. Mark Silvestri is the penciler. Dan Green's the inker. Tom Borzakowski's lettering. Glynis Oliver's the colorist. Bob Harris is the editor. And Tom DeFalco is the scorekeeper. All right. Woo. And uh, the opening page of this is Havoc's hand drawing a crossover storm. We get this little eight-pointed star. It's a callback to something we haven't really talked about in quite a while, but... When Madeline wasn't the goblin, goblin, the goblin queen, she <laughs> she came up with this eight pointed star and this idea that wherever the X Men went, uh, they would they would emblaze this eight sided star, so people would be like, "I wonder if that was the X Men," but it couldn't be because they're dead. Weird. Kind of a dumb idea. <laughs> yeah. If you're dead, if you're dead, and you want the world to think that you're dead, you don't go around emblazoning a sign on lampposts. It was weird, and it seems like either they abandoned the story early or uh, Inferno just got in the way, and now... Yeah, probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column yeah. B. So they're kind of getting back, and, and basically this issue is kind of like putting the bookend to this whole star thing. Cause I don't, Which is nice. Yeah, sure. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's good to put bookends on things. Again, it's a callback. Uh, people that are already crossed out, uh, Rogue, who was sucked through the Siege Perilous... Longshot, who went off to go find himself, and uh, Storm, who I believe was killed. So Longshot went off to go find himself. Why does he get an X through his head, but Wolverine, who's just like doing stuff, doesn't? Again, we talked about this, I think, last week, where I, I was, I, I'm very unclear as to what happened to Longshot. Yeah, I don't know. Like, we talked about that. I don't know if he physically disappeared or if he just had the dream he's like i gotta go on a walk guys don't wait up for me peace and i feel like it's the former i feel like he literally like evaporated and was like i gotta go find myself but i, I Maybe. don't there's no evidence to support either 
either direction. So, but he's gone and he gets across. Uh, Wolverine probably left a note saying, I'll be back guys. Keep the beer cold. <laughs> Three down true believers, five to go says Tom DeFalco, the scorekeeper. Mm. And the question on the hour of uh, the hour on everyone's lips is who's next havoc. Um, clearly in a, uh, I don't know, depressive funk. Yeah. On the video screen behind him, there's little monitors that have all of the X-Men's heads as well as, like, a wide shot of all of them. So there's little cameras flying around everywhere, apparently. Uh, there's little names under each monitor, under Storm, Longshot, and Rogue. It's just it's just fuzz. Uh, but you get Wolverine and Colossus and Psylocke. I guess they're not actually videos of them. I guess they're probably just video portraits. It would appear to be so. And yeah. then how how does the camera know to turn off the storm and long shot cam? <laughs> I don't know. Well, we find out that there's a lot of things about this uh, uh, computer that that doesn't make sense. And why isn't is the is the funeral happening now? I think so. I think the funeral is happening right now, and Havoc is not there because through the video screen we see Colossus lowering the body of uh, Storm into a grave, and then Dazzler. Um, etching storm our beloved friend may she uh, at last be granted the peace and joy too often denied her life onto her tombstone it's a bit much it dazzler is. come on hey even um <laughs> even gateway is there on the next page that's weird oh yeah gateway is probably like where's alex guys <laughs> that guy's a real jerk he killed her and he can't even be bothered to come out to say his last farewells <laughs> So he's hanging out in the computer room. He cracks open a beer, and he's he's just I don't know thinking over all of the things, talking about the eight sign sigil that Madeline designed, talking about the table. Yeah, <laughs> I made it. He's recounting a lot of stuff. This table, I I made the table, carved it with my own two hands. <laughs> it was uh, the idea was that it would be like the Lone Ranger's silver bullet. Adam, you asked earlier. Our calling card, so people'd wonder if it was us without knowing for sure. Yep. Seems pretty egotistical, guys. Yep. Why would anybody look at the eight-pointed star and be like, huh, what if it was the X-Men? I wonder if it's those dead X-Men. <laughs> Havoc goes on to think about, well, the world thinks we're dead, saw it on global television, now some of us are really dead. Well, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. X-Men are dying now, and, and there aren't any Romas to come back and read turn them to life as they did before he does curse roma he's like where the heck are you now you toss in some curse with your gift maddie the goblin queen's ultimate revenge against the people forced destroyer how could you have hated us so much were we your friends wasn't i and then he throws his beer can at wolverine's monitor and he's like where are you <laughs> where the devil are you pancaked <laughs> this is the sound that the bottle or the can makes as it hits wolverine's screen and then for some reason, uh, as Colossus is burying Storm, the Vizzy screen re-shows him things that happened in the last issue. And they even make a point of saying, but where's this playback coming from? I haven't touched a control. It's never answered. No. Nope. So it's, it's, it's a recounting of the last issue for some reason. He killed Storm, as we talked about, and he gets so angry uh, that he blasts the Vizzy screen. The computer backflashes an explosion and knocks him out. And then the phone starts ringing. And as the 
as the phone rings, the computer heals itself. Yeah, yeah, which I didn't. Well, I mean, I guess we saw it do that before with Madeline, didn't we? Uh, yeah, probably. So I'm guessing based on these two things that are happening that the computer is sentient. I Sure. But I don't think we'll ever figure that out. Either that or it's Jubilee. Somebody says hello, and I think who says hello is Jubilee. But well, the, no, because the, later she said the I okay. So so jumping ahead, okay. Um, someone <laughs> we'll get to says that the Lorna leaves a message on the machine. Yeah. So I think it's just the machine. You think the machine hello. said hello, and you think the machine wrote the note? I think the machine said hello, and then I think. Jubilee picks up the phone as it's recording. Hmm. So the voice says, Alex, oh, thank heaven. I prayed it'd be you who answered. It's me, Lorna. And she goes on and on. Mr. Sinister got killed. Malice's effect is wearing off. I miss you. I need you. I kept picking up a phone, but till tonight, I never had the courage to make the phone call. Alex, I need help. And then some... Thing or somebody says, gee, I'm really sorry, but this isn't Alex. He can't come to the phone right now. Can I take a message? Do you think that that is the computer or do you think that that is Jubilee? Well, I, I think it's Jubilee, but it doesn't make any sense with like how did Lorna leave a message? It doesn't make any sense that Lorna would think that Jubilee was Alex. <laughs> Unless we've been giving Jubilee's voice all wrong and or, oh. or, or Alex's voice all wrong. Maybe <laughs> Alex sounds like this. <laughs> Alex sounds like a teenage girl. That's funny. Maybe. Uh, or maybe or maybe Jubilee answered the phone in like classic uh trying to imitate somebody else's voice. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Um Malice shows up in the phone booth's reflection or the reflection of her in the phone booth. Uh, and apparently, mostly uh, Lorna's right. Like the the power of malice has faded since Mister Sinister has been killed, uh, but traces of her still exist. So she's kind of um... dear little Lorna. If I was in as as in control as you'd like to think, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I'm I'm just I'm still in your psyche. Yep, pretty much. Lorna driving a... you crazy forever. Lorna's in control, but but malice is still there. Just just annoying her a little bit. Lorna goes a little nuts and explodes the phone booth with her magnetotron powers. Where is she? I think they tell Uh, us somewhere. Yeah, they tell us later that she's in like Santa Porto or something like that. Something like that. She's she's at a place where most everybody is speaking Spanish. Well, at least these two dock workers speak Spanish. Punta Arindia. Yeah. Chile. It's in Chile. She's in Chile. Okay. Chile. Uh, and these two dock workers find her, and they find her very attractive, and uh, they're going to rescue her, I guess. By bringing her to a bar and pulling the glass out of her knees. She has gla- Oh, she has glass in her knees. Well, I'm assuming, because her knees are all scraped. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, Ramon, he grabs her for himself, and the other guy, whose name I don't know. Youngster. And Andale? No, that's he's saying Andale. Oh, Andale. <laughs> Andale works too. Uh, anyways, yeah, he's uh, the youngster is going to go get the medical kit. But before he can get the medical kit, something crunches on him. Crunch. Madonna, he says, and then gets crunched. 
Meanwhile, in Australia, Colossus is trying to paint, but it's just not working. So he gets mad. Yeah, he gets mad in a way that we've never seen Colossus get mad, or at least that's what the uh, next couple of panels seem to paint a portrait of. Uh, He smashes his easel and walks off all angry-like, and that's when the, the Reavers show up and they're talking about their files. That's very much unlike Colossus from the files. Mm-hmm. The Reavers also have files and they read them well. Mm-hmm. Lady Deathstrike picks up some of the paintings, some of the sketches. She says, well, this is, this is a person who's clearly in pain. He's uh, Colossus is the most stable and centered, and this is very unlike him to be painting these turtles i don't know <laughs> uh yeah we get a picture of some of these drawings and there they do look pretty just at least the last one looks very disturbed it's like a very angry face it's an angry turtle is it an angry turtle sure i'll go with that it's Raphael. Hmm. and it looks like uh ghost rider as dr strange kind of like, yep there's like a skull guy mm-hmm. hmm. so yeah the reavers were in australia at the base uh doing some reconnaissance they uh, didn't want to get spotted. They've been they're waiting for Wolverine to show up, but he's not there. So they take all this information back to Donald Pierce's house, which is at some undisclosed location. Some distance removed is all we get. Yep. Um, Lady Deathstrike is saying that all I really care about is Wolverine. He is the object of my vengeance. I don't care anything about the others. Donald Pierce kind of says, "Well, the plan is we're going to take out all of the X Men so that when Wolverine returns." He's going to see them dead. The, the dead bodies will be their calling cards. And then Donald Pierce goes on to say that the Reavers are humanity's defense against the scourge of mutant kind. I thought Donald Pierce was a mutant. Is he not a mutant? He was part of the Hellfire Club. I don't know. I think he was just a cyborg. Okay. Or Android, or whatever you want to call it. I think he had cybernetic parts, and that's the only thing that made him special. Hmm. And he kisses uh, Lady Deathstrike, which I'm not sure if this is a Me Too moment or not, because I, I, it seems like it's she's okay with it. Yeah, in the second to last panel, she closes her eyes. She kind of purses her lips, it looks like, uh, and then they do kiss. Her eyes are closed and are like wide-eyed, like, what are you doing, you creepo? Yeah. Okay. So I guess they're 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 a couple. I don't I don't recall this ever happening in uh, you my know, X Men readings, but it, I, I had lots of things happen. So you know, it's like when Storm gave Wolverine a big old kiss. Every all of them are always kissing each other for for good <laughs> luck or for whatever. Okay. I, so Donald Pierce kisses Lady Deathstrike. Good luck. Then. I don't. Yeah. I don't think there's any romance here. Maybe there is. Who knows? Maybe the romance is they're so passionately devoted to killing Wolverine that there's a sexual attraction. But once the Wolverine thing is done, they'll just go their separate ways. Who knows? This is how Chris Claremont sees relationships. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Anyways, uh, Alex wakes up in his room and there's a note on some flowers that says a lady named Lorna called for you wouldn't say where the computer took the message she was crying sounded like she needed her her help real bad hope you feel better and I feel like that must have been written by Jubilee definitely okay and and I and I think Jubilee did answer the phone but like it's weird that 
the computer took the message and somehow also didn't record Jubilee's voice. Yeah. Well, there's a side scan that Psylocke does in, in a bit where she's like, well, it's only us. Yeah. Which yeah. also doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but. Or maybe, or maybe Jubilee's voice does sound exactly like Havoc's and they replayed the message and Alex was just like, I don't remember saying any of this. I never said hello. <laughs> so there's a little bit of uh, Psylocke and Havoc. Um, Havoc's like, why don't you ever knock? She's like, I read minds. And he's like, stay out of mind. She's like, I try. It's hard. Sometimes I can't. <laughs> I only I only peripherally go into minds. To the, to the effect that I knew that it was okay for me to come into your room and also that you were going through some sort of anguish. Thought I'd try to help out. And she's also like, I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> Armor's a good metaphor for you, Psylocke. It hides a lot more than just your body. Anyway, I squawked because last thing I remember was being KO'd by the computer or in the computer center. And somebody left a note. This is crazy. <laughs> so he and Psylocke go down to the computer room. The computer room is fine. He's like, I smashed this whole thing. Psylocke's like, I believe you. I can see it in your mind's eye. Hmm. But, uh, yeah. Well, I guess uh, she asks him about painting out the, the X's on the faces of the uh, the the X-Men members that have left the team or, or departed. Mm-hmm. And he says, I, I like to keep score. Just like Tom DeFalco. Yeah. He's a scorekeeper after all. Silex like who? <laughs> Tom to who? Uh, and she's she's given orders, I guess. She's like, begin whenever you please. And he's like, you talk like you're the boss. She's, and she's kind of starting to sound like uh, Storm here. She's like, does that bother you? And, uh, you know. Frankly, if, yes. Find, find me somebody better and I'll step aside. Nope. Says you're qualified. So they find out that the call came from a phone that's out of service uh, from uh, where you said Punta, Are or Punta Arenas, Chile, something like that. Let's just stick with Chile. Yeah. So they all suit up and uh, Gateway teleports them to Chile. Well, first Alex wants to leave alone and then Silex's like, uh, you know, we're losing members left and right. We got to stick together. So let's, 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 let's stick together. And then they're all waiting for her to show up. And she says, I've been side scanning the town for intruders since none of us helped havoc. I was trying to determine if anyone else is about who might have done so. And she says that she found nobody, or at least she doesn't actually respond. So maybe, maybe she's just keeping it to herself. There's a girl named Jubilee here, but I daren't tell anybody else in the team about this. I like your use of daren't. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Silak or uh, Colossus actually pontificates that maybe the computer was, was uh, the computer was responsible after it. Uh, after all, it repaired itself. And then, as Havoc jumps in through the gateway, he thinks maybe it was Gateway. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be a hoot to discover that our old mute mutant teleporter was taking care of us just like Professor X used to? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, meanwhile, in Chile, the uh, girl is, or the girl, Polaris, is sitting in the bar. She's being taken care of by Ramon. 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 When a bunch of monsters show up from... Oh, there it is. Uh, she's a Yankee. Do you believe her hair? Rock and roll star has to be dressed like a real slut. Yeah, that <laughs> <It's> was terrible. <laughs> <weird>. <laughs> 
And she's not. She's just, she's just, yeah, it's a, like a, it's a unitard, but I mean, it's not like revealing. Well, I guess it is. It's skin tight, but it's not like a skin's hanging out all over the place. Did you know that uh, slut is Swedish for the end? Um, to the extent that, I mean, I don't actually know if that's true, but there are some f- Swedish films that end with slut. I think I have seen uh, that turned around into jokes. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like what you're telling me is is some some level of truth that we Americans find very funny because it says the word slut. You know that word is just, that word is awful. It's a terrible word. <laughs> but I'm I'm choosing to believe that this this gentleman is saying just like that a real end. Hmm. That also has kind of a sexual connotation to it. I suppose so. <laughs> but not in Sweden. Yeah, right. Sure. Uh, she does tell Ramon, she's like, look, I can take care of myself, but thanks. And while you're running, and that's when, um, what was that video game where people run around on ostriches? Um, oh, man. Joust. <laughs> Joust. Yeah. A bunch of a bunch of people from Joust show up. <laughs> Def, they're on giant birds. They've all got little little spears or jousting spears. Yeah. Totally. That was a great game. Yeah, Honestly, was... I don't think I ever played it. Oh, I played it a lot, but I was never any good at it. It's kind of like all those games from that <laughs> generation. I was never any good at any of them. Yeah. Well, that was the whole point. I was all right. At, I was all right at Donkey Kong, oh, but I would, not enough to say that I was good. There are some people that are very good at Pac-Man. Did you read uh, Ready Player One? No, we we, we talked about oh, it when the movie we? came yeah. out. Okay. Well, not in the movie, but in the book, and this is not really a spoiler, uh, Joust is featured very heavily. Is it? Oh, yeah. It's a very important piece of the of the game. The, so he, the... Uh, he plays Joust in the end instead of whatever he plays? I'm not going to spoil anything. That's fine. <laughs> the answer to that is no. But <laughs> I don't even remember what game he actually played in the movie. They play adventure, and that that's oh, it is adventure. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and that's actually like right on the top of the book. They're like, you know, the first Easter egg was in a game called Adventure, and then the book starts. So that's really not a spoiler either. Um, I highly encourage you to read the book, or you can get the uh, audio book, which is narrated by Will Wheaton. I have zero interest in that book for some reason. I mean, I saw the movie. And I, I think that's why, Adam. If <laughs> the movie is not, the movie's not good. I don't think the book is going to be up my alley either. It's it's like bubble gum for your brain, in that yeah. it's a quick burst of flavor, and you'll finish mm-hmm. it quickly, and then you'll be done with it, just like gum. Maybe I'll add it to my audiobook list, but I got a lot of audiobooks right now. Uh, moves it right to the top. I read, I read it. I actually read the words on paper. Wow! <laughs> I didn't listen to it. It wasn't on a Kindle. It wasn't on an iPad. It was an actual old style book, uh, and I think I read it in like two days. Okay, but I'm, I'll put it on my list of to dos. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to like it though. Well, not with that attitude. Probably not. <laughs> I don't think you should read it, actually. Now, if you're going to start off with that attitude, you probably shouldn't read it. I will not read it then. <laughs> don't read it, Adam. Uh, it, that book is way too smart for you. I bet. <laughs> Half the references you wouldn't even understand. They're so beyond you. 
Yeah, probably. Yeah, because you're not cool. Are or, you trying to use reverse psychology? No, not at all. But handsome people like to read the book. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Only uggos don't like to read that book. Ah, I'm fine being an uggo. <laughs> Stupid uggos. <laughs> I can be a stupid uggo, too. <laughs> we stupid uggos got to stick together. So Lorna recognizes dinosaurs uh, with bi- barbarian riders. Uh, she she rationalizes that they must have come from the Savage Land. I buy it. It's the Marvel Universe. Sure, sure. And she's been, we know, she's been to the Savage Land, I think, with the original X-Men. But sure. I, I can't remember, but... I don't really sense. either, but, uh, yeah. Is that, well, that makes sense. Cause wasn't Magneto there for a while and that's when she met Magneto and it was turned out it was her dad or something like that. Yeah. But then, uh, then they, I think they said, no, she, he's not really your dad. But then it turned out that Magneto was actually an Android that whole time. Right. But I think right now we're, we're, we're still under the impression that she is Magneto's daughter. That could change at any second. I don't know, Adam. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I I sort of do know. Wasn't there like an evolutionary war story with the cow woman? <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. Don't you remember the cow woman who? But the, that had nothing to do with Lorna Dane. That was with uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Well, yeah. I mean, it's part of the family. Well, she, she has a different mother than hmm. those two. I don't know. At this point in the Marvel Universe, I thought we were at a point where Magneto had said, I'm your father, and then somebody else is like, no, nah, that's not your father. Um, I think that's possible. I, I don't know. I honestly can't remember. I thought we were at the point where we're just assuming that Lorna is Magneto's daughter. Um, where we are in the current Marvel Universe in 2020, I think that's been retconned. But I think it might have been retconned back. I don't know. Yeah. There <laughs> was there was a, one of the cartoon series. Maybe it was Wolverine and the X-Men. I don't really remember. Or maybe it was... Uh, there was an X-Men cartoon where they're all in high school. Is that the anime one that's supposed to be decent? That's a different one. There's oh, okay. Wolverine and the X-Men, and then there's another one that's... I, I didn't really like it, but it was... Basically, all of the X-Men were in high school, and the Brotherhood and Evil, Evil Mutants were also in high school. And Wolverine was not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's th- older, you know? Yeah, there was that animated series, and then there was X- Wolverine and the X-Men, and then there was the Japanese one that was dubbed into English that you were thinking of. One of those three series has Lorna Dane hanging out with Magneto, and it's heavily, in, uh, he- heavily hinted at that they're related, or maybe it's outright said, like, Lorna is Magneto's daughter. Not that any of that's canon, but... I think that's where we are right now, though, is that it's heavily implied that Lorna is Magneto's daughter. Okay. But I think, I, it's been, I think it's been said both ways, that he said yes, but then it turned out it was an android and blah, blah, blah. So so whenever this issue is written, 1990, was it? Uh, 1989. Okay, in 1989, as I'm reading this issue, I am under the impression that Lorna Dane is Magneto's daughter. But... I hadn't read all of the stuff that we've read. so I believe that is good enough for me. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the the 
Savage Land people come and throw bolos around Lorna's legs, and she falls. She falls out a window. Mm-hmm. See, her momentum is enough to force her out of the window of the, the bar that they were in. Um, the the dinosaur Savage Land people are murdering basically everybody in the bar. One of the joust guys comes up. is like, you've had... Or you've run a fair race, girl, but it's done, and so are you. So he means to kill Lorna. Ramon gets schlucked through the chest with a spear. Poor, poor Ramon. I don't think his motives were pure, though, so he probably deserved it. <laughs> so they, they show up, the X-Men show up uh, in Chile, and for some reason, Psylocke, we've never heard this before, but Psylocke says, oh, this was odd. <laughs> Remember... Gateway can only teleport us home from the place we arrived. Starting now. <laughs> Starting today. Which is like, okay. I mean, I'm fine with that. It just seems weird that after all of the teleports we've seen Gateway do, like now we're deciding to introduce this as like a limitation or a plot point. Honestly, I don't even know if it is a plot Brand point. New rules. <laughs> and I don't, I don't care, but it's, it's just weird. It doesn't even really ever – well, maybe it'll come back in the next issue, but it doesn't seem to come back at all either. I don't think it does, but I, I could be mistaken. And I don't know it's if it's of... – because uh, Colossus or Havoc, one of the two says, yes, boss, it's probably Havoc. So I'm just wondering if maybe this was just some dialogue to continue to establish that Psylocke is being the boss. Okay. And and it doesn't actually mean like like that's irrelevant information. It's just Psylocke is providing some instruction for the X-Men to, to show that she's the leader. They just chose weird words to show it. But I, I, I could make that shorter. Yeah. Uh, Gateway has, uh, let's see, we have arrived. Yes, boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we have arrived. Let's find Lorna. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. So, yeah, they do a Psy search, or Psylocke does, and she she kind of freaks out a little bit because she's sensing all the people dying and getting their arms cut off and apologizing and trying to fight back. And then a man on a dinosaur shows up and looks like it kind of slaps her or punches her or something. Too much lust, too much passion, too much fear, can't block it. And she gets, like, punched in the back of the head, it looks like. With a quad. Yep. Psylocke is down. This will... This will deal with the swine who struck her, says Colossus, and he krakows the uh, the dinosaur. Or does he hit the guy? I don't know. At any rate, Alex destroys the dinosaur, which is a bit much. Uh, I was a bit shocked by this. Well, they're establishing some stuff here. Yeah, yeah, they are. But yeah, he, it he works. It works. Incinerates the dinosaur down to its bone, and uh, Psylocke's like. Uh, Dazzler even says, geez, Havoc, did you have to? Yeah, was that entirely necessary? Havoc's like, her, apparently his power is too its too powerful now, and it's hard to do anything less. And Dazzler kind of whispers to uh, Psylocke, is it me, Betts, or is Alex getting out of hand? Are we going to have to take him down later? <laughs> He's hurting Allie, ain't we all? Is that an excuse? Colossus drags up one of the barbarian dudes and says, would you mind probing a prisoner, Psylocke? And then Havoc, uh, continuing in this vein, kind of uh, threatens him and says, hey, if you don't tell us what we need to know, I'm going to burn your arms off. And the stumps will instantly cauterize and you won't bleed to death. And the pain is going to be pretty serious. And uh, Psylocke says, my lord, Havoc, you're serious. 
You forgot that in twice in two panels, he calls this guy Bunky. <laughs> Did I forget or was I ignoring it? <laughs> Hold that thought, Bunky. But he also calls Psylocke Babe. You betcha, babe. Hey, Bunky, if you'd rather not talk, I guarantee you'll hurt. Yeah, yeah, Havoc's, Havoc's getting serious. He ain't messing around. Well, he's had a lot of things go. Like, the the nuclear girl betrayed him. The girl in Marvel Comics Presents betrayed him. Madeline I'm okay betrayed with all him. of this. You know, Lorna he, betrayed him. And he, and he just killed Storm. So yeah. he's allowed to act out of ordinary, you know. To be is- to be honest, this is really the X-Men's fault for bringing him. Like, this man is seriously unstable. It's a little bit over the top, but, you know, it's comics, so it's okay. So then <clears throat> four people show up. Three people show up. A uh, four-armed guy, a woman all in white, and another big dude with a spiked vest. And thankfully, uh, somebody, I guess it's uh, Colossus, says one of the Savage Land mutates. Barbarous, because otherwise I would not have known. Yeah. So these are the mutates, everybody. Remember the mutates? Remember the Savage Land mutates? The only one in which I remember is Amphibious, um, who does appear. I didn't remember his name, but he does conveniently say his name. <laughs> they all say their name because nobody remembers. Uh, Magneto led the mutates and maybe even gave the mutates uh, um, human consciousness. Yeah, it was it was some sort of thing. He might have given them their like they they might have just been normal people that he gave their powers to, or he may have genetically created them altogether. I don't know. And there was another one, one there, of those. there was another mutate who wasn't a mutate at all named Lorelai. I don't remember what happened to her. Lorelai, uh, I think, went off to do other stuff with other people. I feel like she she showed up in other comics. I think you're right, but she was technically a mutate. Yes, yes, she was. So. Well, we got a new mutate here named Whiteout. Yeah, and then nobody can see because Whiteout has created a literal Whiteout. Uh, Whiteout's the latest to join us, Tin Man. She creates the same glare effect you get on an ice-struck ice field. Sun-struck ice field. It seems like a lot of <laughs> alliteration there. Why not just be like, she blinds people. <laughs> Somebody in the X-Men is thinking to themselves, going to have to update the files. <laughs> yep. Dang it. <laughs> Um, when is the last time we saw the mutates? Well, I'm going to ask the internet. <laughs> Cause I feel like it was a long time ago. I feel like it was right around the time beast was changing into blue beast. Oh no, wait, remember? Okay. So the last time we technically saw them, although they didn't do much was during the evolutionary war. They were oh. hanging out with, uh, What's his face? The high evolutionary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't really make themselves known, but they were there. That's right. Um, prior to that, ooh, internet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what the internet says. Clicking on links to figure out how to get to the internet. One thing I can say is that Silvestri and Green, I don't think, have ever drawn the mutates because Amphibious looks badass. <laughs> and I feel like in every other iteration, he's looked sort of clowny. So it would appear that the last time that we covered them was Marvel Fanfare, that one through four part series that uh, was about 
uh, Angel, essentially. Oh. I think Spider-Man was in it. He turns into a temporary mutate where he gets, like, he turns into a man spider. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. That, I believe, is the last time we covered that. When that was, was 1982, so I don't know how many episodes ago. That was a long time ago, everybody. Yeah. Well, they're back, and they're mad, and they're uh, they're taking out X-Men left and right. Amph- yeah. Amphibious, he he takes out uh, Psylocke and hangs her from, like, a sailboat mast. Dazzler tries to dazzle blast one of the barbarian-looking guys, but it turns out to be Gaza, who has been blind since birth. Doe, I hate it when that happens. A wasted effort, fair one, against Gaza, who has been blind since birth. That's how that's how he sounds. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I, I knew who you were talking oh, about. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so Psylocke's hanging up on the, the telephone pole. Amphibious puts on a glove for some reason. I wasn't sure what was going on there. Does it ever come back? Because he's like, uh, you're all alone for Amphibious to play with. Let me just put on my glove. I'm going to give you an exam. It's really kind of gross. My creepy amphibio glove. Yeah. It's yeah, it's really weird. Although it it looks like he's it looks like finger claws and it looks like they have a glint on them, so maybe the glove is like I'm a toad and toads don't actually have claws. So now if I put this on, I've got claws. Okay, so that makes more sense than <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Amphibious. <laughs> yeah. It's gross. Uh Psylocke gets into Dazzler's head and kind of starts, well, gives her directions as far as uh, when to strike, and she does. Gaza is closing in behind you on my cue. Roll and fire! And she shoots, and I guess Psylocke also has her shoot out of her eyes, which Mm -hmm. I didn't even know was a thing Dazzler could do. Oh, yeah, she's done that before. Has she? Remember she's made her her little finger guns, and then she's definitely zapped people with her eyes. I mean, it doesn't... doesn't, I feel like... I feel like if Dazzler's power is to just emit light, she could probably do it from any part of her body. That makes sense. Right? Like her whole body could blow out a like a big blast or she could use like a kneecap. And if I was Dazzler, I would be shooting light out of my boobs. I can't lie. I'm sorry. I would. <laughs> That's just what I would do. <sighs> I'd be like, eyes are up here, buddy. Pew, pew. And that would teach him a lesson. She does say double-barreled solid light photon force blast, which, you know, is kind of cool, but it's also a mouthful. Yeah. It's like, it's, I like Dazzle Blast. Dazzle Blast! Dazzle Blast! Dazzle blast. Double-barreled solid light photon force blast! It's, just, <laughs> it's, a, lot of, it's a lot of words. So she ends up taking out a pair of them, uh, and we move on to Barbarus, who is using all four of his arms to pound on Colossus. It's actually kind of a cool panel. Bam, 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 bam. Um, and uh, Psylocke, in, inside of Colossus's head now, says, uh, I'm, I have locked Barbarus's mind. He can no longer move, but I only have the strength to hold him for a second. So you have to act now. And he does. He grabs Barbarus by the neck and tosses him over a pier into Whiteout, it looks like. Colossus thought that they had seen the last of the mutate ages of Go. 1982, I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Alex is like, yeah, I think they're getting greedy for more than the Savage Land. And a kind of sassy uh, Psylocke still hanging from the telephone pole says, I have those answers, Havoc, and perhaps a plan to go with them if someone along you, among you stalwarts will kindly help me down. 
And I say she's sassy because she looks kind of sassy. Oh, she looks very sassy. She's got her arms crossed. She's doing a little smirk. Up on a hill, a woman calls out to the citizens of Punta Arenas and says, the destruction of your home is but right and fitting retribution for the recent wanton befouling of Antarctic waters by a vessel based at this port, which ran aground and contaminated the sea with its cargo of crude oil. Had the ship not been there in the first place, it would not have happened. Oh, somebody says, it was an accident. I don't know if this is based on, like, actual events that are happening in 1989 or something in the Marvel Universe, or this is just something Chris Claremont threw in. I don't know, but it doesn't make sense because I thought the Savage Land was surrounded by landmass. Yeah. Well, some some of the oil seeped into the Savage Land. Maybe there's like a like a Panama Canal in the Savage Land, and <laughs> that boats go through, and this boat happened to sink in the uh, due its oil spill in the middle of the Savage Land. Yep. Anyway, this is this is Zaladane. Remember, Remember her? her? Uh, barely. I, I is was it? Has it? Did they talk about any sort of a relationship between Zaladane and Lorna Dane in the past? Whoa, I just made that connection. <laughs> well, and I, I, I think, and I'm hoping I'm not spoiling anything, but I think there is a connection. But I can't remember if they had done that connection like years and years and years ago in a Savage Land issue. So last time we were, we were, uh, we we saw Zaladane. She was calling herself just Zala, which somebody points out later. Yeah. Um. And and I think it's Havoc who's like, I didn't even recognize her uh, when I saw her. Boy, I really got to review the files better. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that that's uh, I I don't know I don't know what the connection is, but that's 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 pretty smart. I mean it's stupid as hell, but <laughs> just the fact that they took they took Zaladane and I didn't even notice it, but now they're connecting her to Lorna Dane, and she does later call her a sister. Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting way ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. We're almost to the end of this thing. Not getting too far. There's only one more page to go in the yeah, book. But yeah, what I I just. I couldn't remember whether or not that relationship <laughs> is going to be established in the near future. If so, I apologize. Or if it's already been established. And I I don't think so, but I think it just got established. So <laughs> Okay. But uh, I could be wrong because I definitely don't remember. And... It was so long ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, anyways, Zaladane's here. She's got Lorna Dane by the neck. The X-Men show up and uh, Dazzler says, firstly, Bimbo, the Savage Land is no way your domain. Secondly, torching the city is one thing, but if you're serious about killing its people, you'd better be prepared to sacrifice your own life in the bargain. Saladane's like, three of you dare challenge my horde? And uh, Colossus, he's not messing around either. You know how many we are, Saladane. And then he thinks to himself, or at least we're pretending to be. Mm-hmm. Right. But she even thinks, like, unlike the X-Men to offer terms or for Colossus to act as a spokesman, their usual tactic is to simply charge, led by Storm or Wolverine. Is that true? I guess it probably is. Eh, you know, Whatever. that's what Zaladane knows. I mean, sure. she she studied the Savage Land files. She says she offers an exchange, her prisoner for yours, plus a safe withdrawal of my forces. Under the uh, Savage Land files, it said X-Men Tactics. Typically, the X-Men charge, usually led by Storm or Wolverine. Never Colossus. <laughs> Colossus says, those flyers, there's like spaceships behind them. Are they not dot, 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 question mark? Zaladane says, 
Oh, no, uh, Silox says, The High Evolutionary's handiwork. I identified Zaladane from Havoc's memories as the Evolutionary's assistant, Zala, from X-Men Annual number 12. And that's when Havoc, who is disguised as one of the uh, Savage Land, I guess, Savage, Savagers. Sure. <laughs> uh, thinks to himself, I'd heard of Zaladane, but never met her or seen a picture. Another careless mistake. I'm an X-Man. I should know all of our old villains. Mm. I've read the files. Mm-hmm. What she want with Lorna anyway? I've searched the world for you, dear Sister. Sister? And now that I've found you, let the world and its people tremble. Not if Havoc can help it, lady. You don't know it yet, but you're finished. Finished, I tell you. So next issue is Fever Dream, but not really. Yeah. I guess the next issue is whatever it was. The Shattered Star. Prelude Part 2. <laughs> yes. Uh, Second Prelude. I don't want to give it away, but the next issue is called The Shattered Star. So how can this one be part one of The Shattered Star Prelude? I'm so confused. Well, there's only one part. <laughs> okay. I mean, or or part two was like somewhere in the middle and we missed it. No, we didn't. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you take a movie, uh, if you take um, Fight Club, you don't call it Fight Club part one. <laughs> Right. Um, maybe, maybe. So, so there's, there's, there's got to be in the next issue a title page that says the Shattered Star. Maybe everything before that is part two of the prelude. It says it right on page one, <laughs> the Shattered Star. So the advertisements are Shattered Star Prelude Part Two. The cover. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. That was X Men number two forty nine. Sure was. Everybody. Um. Yep. First serious. So yeah, if you if you want to contact us, <laughs> you can. We got many many different avenues for you to contact us at. Uh www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Danger Room Go. Email us danger room at xmenpodcast.com or go out to iTunes and uh, subscribe to us, leave us some feedback, leave us some stars, or go out to uh, patreon.com forward slash danger room and uh, you can get all the episodes there or you can subscribe and we've got some fun little levels for you to give us money at. So much fun. <laughs> Our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. And we've got a few more books to cover. Yep, this is the part where we run through other books. Yep, it is. And uh, to different different levels of of uh, of detail. I uh, only read the couple of pages of the New Mutants that featured Freedom Force because I don't care about anything else that's happening. But Brett Blevins. Yeah, yeah. I looked at all the pictures. <laughs> Uh, so, so talk about, tell me what happens with Freedom Force. Freedom Force has got Rusty and Skids trapped on, uh, Liberty Island. Um, and Blob is punching away at Skids' force field. He's like, you gotta drop it sometime. And they're like, nah, now we don't. And soon people are going to see you beating on us little kids. You don't want that anybody to see that, do you? And a helicopter shows up and it's the rest of Freedom Force, uh, they drop a bomb on Skids' force field. They're fine, but it kind of creates like a little mini island for them. 
So they're like on top and kind of like a snow globe with like a stem on it. And Avalanche and uh, Crimson Commando get out of the helicopter. And Crimson Commando uses a fancy gun to cut the bottom of their little makeshift island off and make a veritable snow globe. And Blob lifts it up and he's like, okay, guess you're coming with us on this. Yeah, I thought that was kind of dumb. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. I mean, in a very dumb way, I thought it was kind of funny. I mean, funny. yeah, it, it, is, it, is definitely, it was definitely funny. Um, it is, uh, it's very silly that Skids and Rusty aren't moving because, you know, why are they just standing there? They've, I, I missed this part. Um, they have, there's some conspiracy that Rusty is talking about. I'm not entirely sure. So the conspiracy that is. is that the all the kids, the twelve kids from from Inferno. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Freedom Force has them. That's right. That's right. That's right. And uh, the the New Mutants found out about that. That's right. And they even try to like they start retconning it a little bit, which I'm not really sure why they're bothering, but they're basically saying uh, somewhere he says. Yeah, when the blob said whatever he said, he was a little bit wrong. Oh. Or something to that effect. Yeah, you misunderstood what the blob said earlier, asterisk, in New Mutants number 78. Yeah. But we can't even allow a little bit of that scandal to be associated with Freedom Force. And so, do your plan, which is to make him into a snow globe and carry him away. Yeah. I feel like, well, I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like the storyline fizzles, dissipates maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong. I know that the twelve mutants, based on based on internet searches, um, some of them do continue to become real mutants. Uh, whether or not they are like used in anything, I, I couldn't tell you that. But yeah. Okay. Uh, so the the rest of the issue just involves uh, the the new mutants and the elves or the trolls or whatever they are from the last issue fighting the uh, Valkyries, who are now evil um they very are very quickly captured and uh frozen in place which is kind of funny they're all stuck in their frozen positions and boom boom continues hating this and everybody's really annoyed with her hating it but she is she does find that she's able to drop a one of her time bombs and uh that allows her to drop herself through the floor into the chamber beneath and uh She's able to move down there, and so she rescues the others. And, uh, you know, this, uh, oh, that, that prince guy that Rain met, the wolf the, from the, the, the uh, Asgard, yeah. shows up. He's, he's there. Yeah, I saw him. And uh, they discover that uh, Hale, Hela, Hela is uh, doing some stuff, and they're going to they're gonna try to stop her. Um. But then they decide, you know what, We're, we, we need to go tell Odin. So they take off. They try to get out of a much larger snow globe that Hela is creating. Um, the theme of this issue is obviously snow globes. Mm -hmm. And only some of them are able to get out of the snow globe because it closes on Warlock as he is like halfway in between. Uh, so, the, uh, so Warlock is stuck in the snow globe. Um, Boom Boom and the Wolf Prince are outside of the snow globe and the rest of the new mutants are trapped inside of the snow globe and uh, they end up facing against Danny who is evil 
Valkyrie. Just like all the Valkyries right now are evil. So yeah, that was that was that was that was pretty much it. Uh, Boom Boom thinks she should be the leader. That was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And everybody else gives her like the the stink nose and you know down thumbs, thumbs down signal. <laughs> no way, no way will we let Boom Boom be the leader. Come on, no dice. Uh, Excalibur number thirteen no longer says. Uh, part two of nine it just says the cross time caper so i wonder if they're gonna let nine parts kind of fizzle out because that's super ambitious you don't think it's gonna go for nine parts maybe it will i don't know maybe it'll go for even more maybe they realize well i can't tell this story in nine parts i need 12 parts i need 29 parts (laughs) uh captain britain gets a new outfit now can you tell the difference because i sure couldn't i no, not really. I mean, I, I think his chest is more red than it used to be. I think there was more British flag in his old costume than is what's in this costume. Admittedly, mm. I did not look back at <laughs> old Yeah, I didn't either. I, that's, that's how much I cared. Yeah, because I, I don't really care. But uh, in this first spread, like, he's got a little lump in his package, which I don't really care for. That's like an Alan Davis thing. He likes packages? I guess you're right. He does like to draw the male and female figure. So yeah, he's he's a uh, he's equal opportunity. He's a student of anatomy. Absolutely, he's got a new costume, and uh, it was given to him by this weird English kind of amalgamation of past, present, and well, past and future, I guess. Uh, but it's talked a little bit about in this issue that Captain Britain's powers are derived from England's unique energies. Uh, and actually, Megan's powers are also heightened or derived also from English unique energies. So then Nightcrawler's like, oh, so that's why your powers were weakening in New York after Inferno, because we all call it Inferno. <laughs> I feel like Chris Claremont was like filling in the gaps. <laughs> kind of. I was like, that's kind of needless. But uh, you've read almost all of the Captain Britons. Has this ever been a thing? Oh, I don't know. Uh, the only... The only uh... I have definitely not read almost all of the Captain Britons. Oh, we we read it. We yeah, I can't speak. We read a handful of them that had to do with Betsy mm. because Betsy becomes an X Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's there was a lot that we didn't read. Okay, fair enough. Um, the there is one where he goes to New York with Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't recall whether or not he gets weak in that or not. But wasn't that an X-Men thing? Wasn't that by John Byrne? Didn't we do that one? Uh, I don't remember, probably. I don't remember him getting weak, but maybe. Yeah. So anyways, uh, there's that. So that's all explained. Kitty's continuing to flirt with uh, Alistair Stewart. Alistair Stewart's continuing to uh, woo over Phoenix. Uh, Hijinks ensue. A older... um, uh, Courtney Ross slash uh, Saturnine shows up as Queen of England. So we got Courtney Ross, who is the English version of Saturnine, and we've got Saturnine, who is the space version of Courtney Ross. And now we got the Queen of England, who is one of them, both of them, but older. It's all very confusing. Uh, captain Britain's like, oh, it's like an older Saturnine. And this woman's like, oh, my captain. Uh, but they quickly move on. Um, they talk about how Kitty's going to get married to her grandson and how 
those other women need to uh, be put into better dress. And they go through some funny hijinks where uh, Phoenix creates some very revealing clothes for her and Megan. And uh, Saturnine, Queen Saturnine, we'll call her. She's not really paying attention to any of that. She doesn't care about any of that. She is very cross, though, that Kitty's like, I'm an American, and I don't want to marry your grandson. I think he's a cool guy and everything, but I, I just want my freedom. And she, she teleports her away. Kitty's gone. Kitty is gone, and... Uh, what's the, the the dragon gets upset? Yeah, Lockheed he freaks out, and uh, they 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 chase after uh, Kitty, but they they get stopped by some very giant bobbies. Which I'm disappointed that they revealed this gag on the cover, because this would have been a funny gag. Yeah, but I knew it was coming because of the cover. Yeah, but anyways. disappointing. Uh, meanwhile, Gatecrasher and her crew of weirdos they've made a deal with some local government people to keep refuge on some abandoned pier as long as they keep the weather to a point to attract uh, tourists. I guess it's a thing they can do. So that's a thing. They they still have the floppy body of, um, oh, what's his face? Uh, <laughs> Dan Weatherston. No. F- Nigel Frobisher. No, Nigel Frobisher. F- F- and uh, so eventually the powers of all those other weird people wear off and he turns into first Courtney Ross. And they're like, oh, my God, it's Saturnine. What are you doing here? And then he turns into him. And he's like, what? No, that's my boss, Courtney Ross. Oh, God, if she ever finds out, I'm so embarrassed. Uh, and uh, Gatecrashers opened up his briefcase and finds pictures of Jamie Braddock, the elder brother of major of a major client, Brian Braddock. I feel like James Braddock was bad. I feel like he was a bad guy, too. He's like their older sibling uh, who was nice to Betsy, maybe a bully to Brian, but ultimately just bad. Does this Doc Croc guy look like Deathlock? <laughs> kind of like a like a lizard Deathlock, yeah. Um, and I don't know who's talking. Is it Fobisher who's talking about the major client of Brian Braddock or is Gatecrasher the, talking about... I think it's Frobisher. Okay. That makes a little bit more sense. Anyway, so Gatecrasher's like, oh, well, we love Brian Braddock. He's a good friend. Like, this is all good news. And uh, we can we can get what you need. I'm not even sure what that is. The, the rescue, the rescue of, of James Braddock. Braddock. So Gatecrasher has offered to go rescue uh, Jamie Brad- James Braddock for the right fee. Yay. So that's, that's a thing that's happening. Uh, I don't know. Meanwhile, Kitty is getting... I don't know. She gets full on zapped into being a whole different person. That's right. That's right. She does. And now she's like, oh, don't worry, Excalibur. I really want to be here. I love being a princess. This is great. So she's under a spell from grandma. But she keeps she keeps like coming out of it whenever she goes into action. Yeah. And the the prince actually prefers her as Kitty, not as brainwashed Kitty, which makes sense. Yeah. It's a very long issue, to be quite honest. But uh a lot of words. Yeah, and it's a good issue and everything. But but eventually we find out, uh, well, Nightcrawler and Megan find out they're led by the fairy folk to a certain distance to a tower. And inside this tower, they find a woman named Kate, who's a witch. Who is the woman that they didn't, or they, the prince rescued last issue. Yeah, uh, was about to or something. And then Kitty showed up and the prince accidentally rescued Kitty instead of Kate. I guess well, he rescued both of them, but then Kate, Kitty was the one he wanted to marry. 
uh, <clears throat> prior to the grand great grandmother casting her spell on Kitty, she says something like, um, or somebody says, uh, this woman has latent arcane powers that are, that given her disposition, she could very well control, but she doesn't have access to them. Yeah, it's a reference to magic because they show magic's armor. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I don't know if that ever becomes a thing. I'm guessing it probably will. Uh, but meanwhile, there's a witch named Kate in a tower, and uh, she's kind of like watching Kitty, and she's saying nothing must, uh, no, no, nothing must get harmed except for Lady Kitty. So I think she's kind of like bringing her in and out of the spell control to, to kind of think, keep things going. She's sending right some direction. trolls after, there's uh, some some demons t- after her, and, and it turns out that this this Kate lady is actually set up the whole thing from last issue where the uh, where the, the the prince rescued her. Yeah. So the whole thing was faked, and she was just trying to get on the prince's good side. Turns out that this Kate lady is the uh, the this world's version of Kitty. Yep. And uh, it turns out, uh, yes, yeah, so they all kind of come back and confront the grandmother, Kitty, Kate, the rest of Excalibur. And uh, they're like, what's happened? And Kate's like, I love your grandson. And he's like, what? And he's like, she's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I love you too. I release you, Kitty. More or less. Uh, and then the, the queen there, uh, she's like, I knew all of this, but I just needed to have it happen. Yeah. <laughs> so... So she says, and it seems like without a hint of uh, evil, she's like, why, you may have all of my blessings, of course. Yay. So that it turns out it was a two-part story. I guess so, except the next issue is the next chapter of the cross-time caper. Oh, all right. Never mind. <laughs> so a very, very meaty issue with a lot of things happening. Interesting fun it's fun yeah good stuff wolverine number 12 the Johanna stone affair continues part two of six uh unlike the excalibur issue that we covered it is not meaty it is essentially an action adventure thing where uh there's a bunch of car chases there's a guy on a horse um jessica drew is on the back of the horse uh wolverine and archie steal a cop car uh some vampires steal another cop car. There's like a car chase. It's in San Francisco. So they do some reference to all the crazy hills and in, in, in like you see in movies and stuff. Is um, it, this is a fun re- issue. I got to say, remember, remember bullet bullet. No, uh, no, I never saw bullet. You've never seen bullet. No, you got to see bullet just for the San Francisco car chase. Hmm. It's great. The rest of the movie is, you know, it's, it's, it's of that time. Uh, it's not necessarily bad or good, but the, that car chase is like one of the greatest car chases in a movie ever. Yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> anyway, you, you've seen scenes in movies where like in San Francisco, there's the hills and the car comes flying over the hill. Mm-hmm. Well, they do that in this. Yeah. Yes, they do. Uh, Wolverine leans out the window with his claws to shred some tires. It's fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Really, nothing happens in this issue except for a big car chase. Uh, yeah, and Wolverine gets like mushed between uh, a couple of cars that slam into each other. He uses that claws awesome. to slice up uh, tires and slice up doors. Yeah, no, it's a good issue. I like this issue because it's it's a full issue of like more or less like one scene. 
Yeah, it's basically a an action scene that works really well in a comic book. Yeah, it was light on dialogue, but but uh, lots of yeah, lots of imagery to to show you this high speed chasing. You can totally see this being a late seventies, early eighties action movie. It's good times. Yeah, uh, Marvel Comics presents number thirty three. I don't know if you're still following along with this at home, but we're in the middle of an Excalibur thing. Um, this time, it's Captain Britain's story. He fights other Captain Britons. Actually, uh, you can see the differences of his old costume and his new costume just revealed in Excalibur 13 in this. Uh, yeah. But I still couldn't tell you the difference. <laughs> um, Kitty Pride's also in this one, and just to let you know, she's still there. Yep. Um, there's some fun stuff here where he like hangs out with the Beverly Hillbillies and then he goes to cheers. Um, and then it all turns out that he's under a brainwave scanner. That's a GI Joe reference. Is it? Well, not on this issue, but in, in my head it is. Oh, okay. Me saying brainwave scanner is a GI Joe reference. How about that? Was that in the early issues where they had a not Dr. Mindbender? Dr. Venom. Dr. Venom, um, that's right. Dr. Venom's brainwave scanner goes through the entire run of G.I. Joe, I think. I think you're right. I think I don't think Dr. Venom does. No, no. He, he gets killed by by uh by the Eskimo. Oh Quinn. Quinn, Quinn yeah. the Eskimo. Yeah. Two non action figures killing each other. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a third one too. There was like the scar faced uh cobra guy. Like only different from a cobra soldier because he's got a scar on his face oh that guy's there too i don't remember him i i put a little scar on my cobra soldier's face (laughs) neat do you think the brainwave scanner is in the current run of larry hammas gi joe i can almost guarantee it (laughs) i i i have been i i have been reading those but i'm probably like 30 issues out like i was reading them and i kind of stopped and like to really get back into those because they moved quick. I have been buying the trade paperbacks of those. Yeah. But I haven't read a single issue. Okay. Did you at least read like the first issue of the new series to see how it's all reintroduced? I think I did a while ago, yeah. but I like that. There, there, there was, there was like an, it was like eight, uh, eight pages or something like that. Uh, yeah. There was like a one fifty five point five, and then a one fifty six. I think I read 155.5. 155.5 kind of like sets up the stakes. And then 156, I think, like reestablishes everything. Ah, it, is, it is a fun little read. I, I'm I'm looking forward to getting back into it. And I will. Yeah. Heck yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Heck yeah. Things to look forward to. <laughs> I'm not in this podcast. Oh, okay. Just, uh, just in my life. <laughs> just in Adam's life. Well, I don't have anything else, Adam. Do you? No, no. Uh, maybe next uh, week we'll do some like fan mail or something like that. It's been a while. It's it has been a while. It's been a while. That's you, I didn't. Say. I didn't do our yearly stats this year, so I don't know if we're going to do that or not. Or we'll, we'll find out. If I don't do it next episode, we're not going to do it. Yeah. So. <laughs> so so be prepared for that. <laughs> Get prepared to be let down. Yeah. <laughs> All right then. Well, until next time. My name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. 